Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. Wow, buddy! You look healthy and happy. Veterinary surgeon and natural pet food pioneer John Burns knows the positive impact a natural diet has on our beloved pets. That's why he developed Burns Pet Nutrition. Hmm. Maybe I should try some of your pet food myself. Okay, okay. I'll start with a salad. For natural, no nasty, wholesome recipes, choose Burns Pet Nutrition. Available from veterinary clinics and all good pet shops across Ireland. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's a huge amount of young Irish people over in Australia as well, and there's a a regular stream of people. It's not going to ring any alarm bells to have people flying back and forth to Australia, young people from Ireland. And once they got over there and got the drugs through customs, there was a network of people to sell it to, to supply it to, and to deal the cocaine. You know, they're living a party lifestyle and looking for recreational cocaine. I'm Nicola Tallent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. Socialite Fran Fennell lived it up on a roller coaster of holidays and nights out with models and executives while selling vast amounts of cocaine to the party circuit. He also made huge profits from a unique cocaine startup, which saw him fly human mules from Ireland to Australia, where he could quadruple his profits. But the Playboy dealer who was groomed by underworld killer Eamon the Don Dunn and who supplied Dublin high society with lines of cocaine, has lost it all after law enforcement on both sides of the globe cracked down on his businesses and seized his money and shut down his gang. This month, Fennell was told he will do eight years in jail for drug trafficking while his co-accused were handed sentences for their roles in his operation. Today, I'm talking with Niall Donald about Fennel, about his background and about his likely future after he leaves jail. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. So Fran Fennel was young when he kind of became a high-end boss of a drugs mob with a a very interesting um, business model. But when you see the photograph that we have of him with Eamon Dunn, with his arms just around him, it's just like, it's it's like one of those photographs that just, it's grooming, isn't it? Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> like it, those photos were taken at, probably at the height of Eamon the Don, Dunn's sort of power. He was killed in 2012. Killed in 2012. And at which point then Fran Fennell was only 23. Only so th- those photographs that we're talking about were taken on a, a night out. Yeah, I think Fran Fennell could be 20, 21, 19. Exactly. And if you look at who's in the photographs, they're in the, the broader set. 
there's a couple of guys, Eamon Dunn's vintage, uh, Brian O'Reilly is in one of them who who subsequently survived two uh, assassination attempts, very close associate of Eamon Dunn. And then there's a group of young lads with them as well, yeah. all around Fran Fennell's age, all from Ballymun. Um, one of them, a guy called Daniel Doyle, subsequently died uh, tragically. Um, but he he had also spent time in prison. So these guys were, I suppose, the younger generation who were associating with them. And they yeah, they had them doing what needed to be done from yeah. their perspective. You see, not everyone becomes the boss. No. You know, and but Fran Fennell did. And he is obviously, you know, they have him in, his, in their sights. They obviously see him as being profitable to them. And clearly he makes his own way and becomes his own, in his own right, a boss. Now, Every party must end and his did yeah. because he is, well, his days of mixing, as you say, with models and socialites because he was the cocaine dealer to the stars, really. Um, and it's wound up getting him a nice lengthy sentence. Yeah. So, I mean, I think what happened then is after the Eamon Dunn passed away, Fran Fennell probably, you didn't hear a lot about him for a while, but he then reemerged mixing in the world of of socialites, influencers in the best clubs in Dublin, hanging around with models. And you could see it in in his in his social media accounts where once he'd been hanging around Ballymun, I think that pub that picture taken with Eamon Dunn was in a pub in Ballymun. Then all of a sudden he's in the complete opposite world. And uh you could just see in the social media accounts jetting here, I think it was Dubai, Australia, Cuba, all these places. Mm. And, uh, you know, just living an absolutely incredible lifestyle. He, a couple of times, was being mentioned on kind of entertainment websites for being linked to this model or that model. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it had been an incredible transformation. But it was being funded, of course. Body and soul, of course, because he yeah. had all the looks to go with it that, you know, he fitted into that crowd. Yeah. He had the tan, yeah. he had the muscles, yeah. and he had all the designer clothes. Yeah. Um, but now, of course, he is, he's, he's this, last week he got a, a 10-year sent, prison sentence, two years suspended. So again, he's mixing back in with very different company than what he that was. That was for drug trafficking. And that was for yeah. drug, well, yeah, conspiracy drug trafficking offences. So really what happened to him was that, uh, you know, we we started hearing about him, I think, as being uh, supplying cocaine to people, I think it was said, around the Grafton Street area, which was kind of a broad... I con- might have said that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, so he was providing... These com- things come back to bite you. They do, yeah. but it was basically supplying people who were selling cocaine. Recreational cocaine users, yes. middle class. Middle, very supplying. middle class. But also he was running a, the second business, his main business, which was organising drug mules to fly to Australia and New Zealand. Um, that was his entrepreneurial side that obviously yeah. Eamon Dunn and others saw in him when he was yeah. young because he had actually travelled to Australia on a holiday yeah. and realised that, you know, it's the most expensive place in the world to buy cocaine. It said it's four times as expensive to buy coke there than here. Maybe that figure has changed, as they all do. But Australia has a quiz, like a curious relationship with drugs. It uses, as a country, an enormous amount of them. Yeah but is prepared to pay a huge amount of money for them. And a lot of the drugs are controlled by these biker gangs and they're kind of Asian gangs in Australia and New Zealand in particular. They have sort of a different kind of a crime scene than we have here. But there's also always been value in people literally 
swallowing drugs, taking that massive flight across the world and then, you know, whatever way you get them back up and selling them. Because yeah. you can, if you can ingest, um, you know, what, a hundred grand's worth of cocaine and maybe that's too much, but you're multiplying your profits if you get to the other side alive yeah. by four. So it's been a huge incentive always, but he actually ran a business model on it and he sort of hired a lot of his friends from that social world we talked about, models and influencers and all this sort of stuff, to literally take a flight to Australia. Um, it's preferable, I believe, for women to be mules yeah, because um, they don't actually have to swallow the drugs. They can carry them yeah, uh, body, internally. Yeah, body packet, as they call it. Yeah. So yeah, they're, they're, they, they, they... And do you know why that is particularly going to Australia? Because if you uh, are a female and you you carry the drugs internally, you can take them out if you wish on the flight because it's 24 hours, of course. Yeah. I mean, most people stop off. Um, but you can do that, which lowers the risk of whatever containers they're in disintegrating Breaking. within the body. And obviously people can die if... Yeah. So, I mean, I think there, there was two advantages. Like there's a huge amount of young Irish people over in Australia as well. So it was that he, there, and there's a, a regular stream of people. Nobody is going to, it's not going to ring any alarm bells to have people flying back and forth to Australia, young people f- from Ireland. And once they got over there and, and you know, got the drugs through customs, there was this, uh, a network of people to, to sell it to, mm. uh, to supply it to, and to, you know, to deal the cocaine. So it, it wasn't as if you had to, once he got over there, you had to forge ties with these biker gangs or whatever. You had a whole stream of people and there's so many Irish and English people over there. Mm. Uh, you know, they're, they're living a party lifestyle and looking for recreational cocaine. So there were being, models were being hired. I think they were, they were not just models, but young women mostly. Executives they, and students, I think, of yeah. memory as well. He was kind of signing them up. There was such a lure. They were yeah. getting a free holiday yeah. on the other side of the world, plus money. Yeah. Um, and the risk seemed low to them. Yeah. And I mean, I think it was suggested people could carry up to 300 grams of Coke during a flight. So it was it was a business that really, really boomed. Um, obviously, when it came to court uh, this week, it was, as, the, as these trials do, they focus on a section of time, a bit where they can join all the dots if you want. But he, he ultimately... Um, came to the attention of, look, they probably had some intelligence or going, going on or whatever, but he was stopped at Darwin Airport in April 2015. Um, he was questioned. Uh, while they were questioning him, the, the Australian police seemed to have downloaded information from his phone. He was released without charge and went on his business. Um, then when he came back to Ireland um, in January 2016, Police carried out a raid that was unconnected with what had happened before, um, is, is how it was described in court. And they recovered that handset um, along with, you know, a certain amount of money and, and stuff. And then the Australian police forces had shared um, what information they downloaded. That could be connected to a handset in Ireland. Um, there was further raids and eventually this case was able to be put together about him basically uh, directing this organization, which is what he was convicted when he was convicted this last week. That's what, what, what was said that he was directing this whole operation from start to finish. Um, see, even though, uh, you know, what, what, what we do know about him was that he, 
He's from the Ballymun area, but he had kept extremely close ties with um, a drug dealer that was very close to Ross Browning. Ross Browning, of course, you know, was described recently as the Kinahan Cartel's number one man in Ireland. But Browning had a particular uh, oversight role over the drugs trade in Finglas, uh, you know, supplying gangs like the, the Flashy Gang, various others. Um, but Fran Fennell, it is believed, was one of those people that he supplied uh, through, an, through an associate. And, you know... The Kinahan's had a finger in every pot in those years anyway, didn't they? Had a, I should just make a correction. I said that Eamon Dunn was murdered in 2012. It was 2010. Was it 2010? Which actually makes Fennell even younger than we're talking yeah. about there. He really is only a teenager when he's sitting in a pub with Eamon Don yeah. Dunn's arms draped around his neck, you know, and, and other and other senior members of that gang. Mm. So, look, it really, yeah, it, bring, it brings it home. Um, now, in 2018, the New Zealand authorities took fifty thousand euro off him that they had discovered in, um, and they discovered, sorry, they they found another amount of money in bank accounts that had been transferring between Australia and New Zealand, something around one hundred and fifty thousand euro that he'd obviously just been putting into accounts to have out there for spending money, working out how to wash it and get it back to yeah. Ireland. But they actually seized that and they it went into the Exchequer. They have a similar kind of a proceeds of crime um, legislation that we have. So he's been kind of like on the radar of police and been sort of, you know, been relieved, shall we say, of, of both drugs and his proceeds of crime over the past, what, eight years? Eight years. And I mean, it's, it's interesting again that, that, you know, that you have, and it's, it, as it was said in court, that the, you know, the, the, what the Australian police downloaded from his phone in, in Darwin Airport is introduced into a court in Ireland. I know he played guilty, so you mm. didn't hear the you didn't hear a trial, but that's the sort of level of cooperation that was going on. Like obviously a lot of this money was being transferred back in sort of mule transfers again, backwards through the normal banking system as well. Because it's one thing to to, to using that Western Union system of, of transfer. Exactly. And I mean what what happens there is that people, you know, if you send up a massive amount of money Back by Western Union, you're gonna you're gonna set off alarm bells. So you have to be sent back in bits through different accounts. Can I ask you this now? Could be yeah, go on. But was Revolut there then? I don't think no. Revolut wouldn't have been there yeah. at all. So Revolut has kind of changed things again, hasn't it? it? It has. I mean, and I mean, if you think about the other side of it all, like you know, it's one thing to smuggle drugs internally, but you're not going to be able to smuggle back fifty grand in cash. No. So, like that was a that is another huge problem for him. Um, like there really isn't any other way other than through the certainly then, except for through the banking system. Mm. You know, one way he's or another. He's obviously, you know, he obviously okay. He's doing eight years now behind bars and probably knows quite a number of people given the kind of the circles he was mixing in back when he was a teenager, and you know the circles he's mixed in since. But he's obviously quite a clever business mind. Yeah. For a young guy who probably, you know, hasn't a college degree. <laughs> no, no. I mean, look, you have to look at it this way that he 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 has a clever business mind. He was able to adapt to very different circumstances than than most of the drug dealers that we write about, who very much say embedded in a certain mindset. And mm. um, he was able to mix with all these other people. He was able to concoct an elaborate scheme. Um, to move money, to move drugs, to keep people involved. 
um, to, to, you know, to operate this whole gang, you know. I think even in court he was described by his, his, his uh, you know, his, his own pencil. defense that he said it was an extraordinary achievement. Of course it was wrong, but it was a significant achievement. And you can't say it, that's not true. Um, you know, you do, I always uh, say this and you sometimes agree with me or don't, but if if he had um, committed himself to a regular business, God only knows what that would be. Selling something to Australia. Yeah, something successful. Something like, you know, I don't know, like a, some sort of uh, health food or something like that. You'd have to think that he could have made a really good go of that and it could have been living a new life for himself. But he's not like, and, and you know, the lure of, I suppose, that that lifestyle and to be able to travel live without any restrictions mm-hmm. in your mid-twenties. I mean, he was living in a, a very nice penthouse apartment, I think, back here. Yeah. Um, there was other properties that he was associated with, moving around various properties. I believe there was and, a proceeds of crime case possibly still underway here yeah, in relation yeah. to him, as in a process of crime investigation rather than anything. Yeah. Um, Judge Pauline Codd said that Fennel had been the main beneficiary and played a central role in all the activities, right? Yeah. So she also said he saw it as a get-rich-quick scheme and yeah. you can see that sort of the age, the lifestyle. Yeah. Absolutely, that's what he wanted. He wanted yeah. a lavish lifestyle. But she was also told and she took into account that he had a former drug addiction himself and difficult family background. Yeah. Uh, before he came to this. And he was, she said, the top rung of the, ma- the ladder and a mastermind yeah. of, the, of the, uh, the extensive and serious criminality. So he has 44 previous convictions. Yeah. And she headlined that sentence of 14 years before the mitigating circumstances, which included his guilty plea, his age at the time, and evidence of steps towards rehabilitation. So yeah. he is making efforts to try and yeah. maybe come out of jail on a different path of yep. entrepreneurialship. Um, was there information about the other associates who were sentenced with him? One of them was a guy called Christopher Mellon. Yeah, there was there was a number of other, there was four other people who were, had various roles in the operation. Uh, Mellon was pleaded guilty to two counts of money laundering. Yeah, so he probably was, was uh, he, he ultimately got a fully suspended sentence. And no previous convictions whatsoever. No, so I mean, this is, this is he, his role was to, to move that money, um, to, to get that money back. He transferred, I think, money on just two occasions that they were able to identify in Perth. Yeah. So, um, I mean, so you can see somebody like him is probably somebody drawn into that world and... I have no doubt that given what he was doing and the circles he was mixing in, there was probably people drawn into criminality that would never have been Absolutely. otherwise. And I mean, of course, this 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 conviction focuses on a relatively small time period, which is the way cases come. You know, you can't introduce all this other stuff. You can introduce what you have basically I presume, since the evidence wasn't fully heard, it'll be what there was text messages for. They were downloaded from his phone. It'll be him directing this person to, mm-hmm. to put that money in that bank account and collect this and that. So, Chris, she noted that this chap Mellon had completely rehabilitation, was now running a number of successful businesses. So he has obviously turned his back on any of that offending. And he was 23 at the time, had a party lifestyle. Exactly what I mean. Like Fennel would have been coming into, who's coming from a background where he is ingrained in very high-end serious, or certainly mixing with very high-end yeah, serious think, criminals at a young age. A lot of people he came into contact with were people who were probably out having a good time. Just yeah. You know, and and young, and uh, all of a sudden they find themselves caught up in uh, 
in something that they maybe otherwise wouldn't have. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that was, that was Christopher Mellon. There was probably other people that were more deeply involved yeah. in the drug operation. There was two guys, Alan Fagan and Paul Fagan. Um, Alan Fagan... they brothers. Was, I'm not exactly yeah. sure, to be honest. Um, but Alan Fagan's described as a leaning, leading lieutenant on the ground. And he was instrumental, I think, in sourcing the cocaine, um, meeting the drugs couriers, mixing the drugs, preparing them for mm-hmm. transportation. Um, and he was also moving the money as well. He got a, a six-year sentence with four and a half years suspended. Paul Fagan um, was also involved. Uh, he was pled guilty to conspiracy to bring the proceeds of criminal conduct into the state on dates 2014. So that's basically, he was over an extended period of time. Um, he was involved in the receipt of drugs couriers and drugs into Australia and administering, helping the mules, basically. So he he um, got, a, also got a uh, three and a half years suspended out of a six-year sentence. And then we had another guy, Aaron King, who was much younger. Um, Aaron King would have... At the have, time. He's yeah, but he's 30 now. He's only 30 now, so yeah. he was a very young man. Um, he would have featured in the Sunday World in, in various forms as well. Uh, even in advance of this court case, he had 22 previous convictions. Um, his role included wrapping the drugs for drugs, mules, finding mixing agents and money laundering. Um, he he was described in court uh, by the judge as having a chaotic uh, and unstable childhood and came and became swept up into the lifestyle Um so he ultimately got a four and a half year sentence with 18 months mm. suspended. Um, and she the also... sort of noted that they were all young. Um, they had somewhat different backgrounds, but they were all young. But at the same time, they weren't kind no. of too young that the other people their age at the time in their early 20s would have had more of a moral compass than to get involved in this sort of thing. Yeah, I think the sentence is sort of uh, as well. Like it's, it's, you know, it can't be compared to guys going around uh, shooting people and breaking legs for drug dealing can it like you know it's not on a moral level I'm not saying it's okay or anything of the sort but it was very much a non-violent mm. uh, operation um, they made a lot of money they took a lot of chances they knew exactly what they were doing I wonder if they any of it left or is it all a distant memory? Well, I'd, I'd is say... Is it all sort of something that they look back on photographs and go, oh my God, remember when I could afford those runners? Well, look, it's all there on social yeah, media. He's actually, uh, like he was front panel. Like the reason I actually remember him is because it was one of the first pictures we had of Eamon Dunn. He was in it. Well, he was in it, Fran Fennell. Yeah. And not only was he in it, but it was on... A, now, I'm not 100% sure if it was Facebook or Bebo. Yeah. But it was it was back in those days, and one of the first pictures ever found of Eamon Dunn because he's posing in one of them and and sort of flexing and biceps. Do you mean it was on Fran Fennell's social media? Somebody has sent it to us saying there's a picture of Eamon Dunn here on a guy called Fran Fennell's. So Fennell had put it up proud of his association. Yeah, he had yeah. put it up on his on his thing. I yeah. think um, there was another guy, a guy called Dan O'Doyle, who 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 passed away. Both of them were really really one of the first uh, guys who were social mediaing mm. all the time um, putting everything it up. It was very hard though, you know, if you get all of that, you maybe they've got it from illegal yeah. means from using human beings to traffic large amounts of cocaine in their stomachs or elsewhere. 
across the continent, which is hugely dangerous because yeah. it has happened that these things have exploded inside people yeah. and they're lucky if they do survive it. Um, but they've all that money from all that at such a young age. Like, where do you go from there? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think that the, the issue is, of course, that, that you know, it's like, where do they go when they come out now? You well, know where, what I mean? but what, how do you go? Like, I'm talking lifestyle even yeah. alone. Forget yeah. about that they're going to jail. Some of them aren't. Some of them are. Some of them will feel disgraced by us talking about them by being outed yeah. in this way. Some of them will do jail easy, some won't, whatever. But lifestyle wise, how do you go from having all that to, you know, having to count your pennies at the supermarket checkout? Yeah, I well, mean, it's really hard to go the other way around, isn't it? It must be that very is, difficult. Yeah, to, and that's the temptation. I yeah. mean, that is the difficulty. And it's not just, um, it's not just the, the, yeah, that's the temptation to start it again. Look, I remember, um, you know, and obviously this isn't comparing Fran Fennel with Johnny Adair and the like, right? Who are the UDA guys who are really, really wealthy and dangerous people and people were in living in terror of them and all of that in their community. But I know that those guys got expelled ultimately from the North by their former associates and they were living over in Scotland. Yeah. And they were on the dole. Yeah. And they were getting the odd gig in 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 as bouncers or something like that. They never managed to reignite their criminal career. And I think that's why that was really, really difficult for those guys. Yeah, but those guys, I suppose, they could always lean back and claim it was for political, political reasons that they were doing it in the first place. So that allows them to hold their chin up a little bit or maybe those. even inside do that. But to have had enough money to be able to go out and to buy, you know, a Louis Vuitton handbag yeah. twice a month. Yeah. And to go then to get your, the best if you get a job, you're lucky then when you come out of prison and you have a conviction. Yeah. To all that, the best clubs, champagne, you don't have, in actual fact, you only look at the menu to see what the most expensive yeah, thing yeah, is on yeah. it to buy it. And hotels and people, you know, the service industry is such that the more money you have, the more respect you're given within it. And to go from that to, you know, hoping to get a job somewhere, maybe, and if not, living off the dole, yeah, it's you difficult. Just, you, but but can I say this? If people have a real if they change, have love. well, if they have, a, <laughs> I was going to say that. Zen. I was going to say. <laughs> Are you were actually? No, I was going to say if people can have a sort of a psychic change, a real yeah. change of perspective, which some people can in in terms of yeah. addiction, where they can they can change their ways and become of help to other people that are going through things. And you do see that as you well. You do, of course. It's not all about material goods. But, no, but you um, do see people coming from that lifestyle mm. and then they make this change and they start becoming of use to their community and all that. Yeah. And they get something. They get some sort of... Well, young guys like that, I mean, in an ideal world, hitting their 30s, they'd just get a bit of sense. Yeah. And they'd settle down a bit, get a job, yeah. a car. Yeah. Maybe a lady, whatever. Yeah. Start having families. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And your whole reason to be changes anyway, naturally. It does. It does. Naturally, it does. as as you as you kind of mature like that through life. Um but yeah, anyway, just musing about that. Yeah, yeah. Well look how you could Yeah, well it's not easy, of course, because you mm. get used to a certain people get used to a certain level of risk and danger and excitement in their life. And like, you know, mm. without that, where are you, you know? But that's why people get sucked back in. Yeah, matter. absolutely. Okay, Niall, thank you very much. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com, produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Claude Amini. If you like this show and love true crime, 
leave us a review or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take the Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume the Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume the Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.